So Lord Jesus, as we uh, come to you this morning, we pray that you will help us to slow down. All too often in this season, God, we get rushed, we get hurried, and we forget to stop and to look around and to recognize the gifts that you have given to us. And so this morning, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would calm our hearts. Whatever the turmoil we had right before walking through these doors, whatever the conflict, whatever that thing is that's on our mind, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would comfort us right now. That you would speak to each one of us the words that you need to speak. And so, God, as we look at the story of Jesus this morning, we praise you for sending him and for allowing us to be a part of that story. So God, we give you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Um, I had a really good Thanksgiving, as I'm sure the rest of you did. And it was a little interesting, though, because I've always been one of these people that... um, And again, what I'm about to say is not condemning towards anybody, and I'm not trying to make anybody's feelings hurt. But if they do, you'll get over it. So... So Thanksgiving Day, my family and I had this great meal time with my in-laws. I'm blessed. I love my in-laws. They're fantastic people. And, and we went to Thanksgiving at their house. And we were on our way home to get back in time for the game. And, and it's about 6 o'clock. And so what ends up happening is, is we drive past the Walmart in Cranberry on Thanksgiving Day. I was amazed at what I saw. Because not only was the parking lot of the Cranberry Walmart 1,000% filled, all of the other parking lots and the entire thing were were filled. I'm talking like a bajillion cars were in this place at 6 o'clock on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. Now, isn't it ironic to anybody else that a holiday called Thanksgiving, which is set aside and designated for us to be thankful for all the things that God has provided for us, has been sabotaged and taken over, and now has become this holiday where we kind of get all our protein and stuff so that we can then go and buy everything that we don't have. Right? Does that that seem true to anybody else? And so, you know, when I'm driving with my family, I'm going, oh, man, I would never be one of these people to go out on Black Friday and shop. I would never do this in a million years. You couldn't get me out there in the crowds. You couldn't get me out there in the hordes of people standing in line doing all this stuff. And I do realize that there's a lot of you in here. That's your thing. Hey, good. I'm not condemning it. Just hear me out. So we get home, and we're watching the game, and my family's kind of falling asleep from the, from the turkey-induced coma that comes every year. And we're sitting there, and... My wife's asleep, my son's asleep, my daughter's asleep, and it's about 9 o'clock-ish at this point. And a commercial comes on TV. And it says, tonight, for one hour only, Xbox One systems, 50% off at this particular store. So I started to think in a not-so-condemning way (laughs) about all those Black Friday shoppers. And so I began to, in my mind, reason it and go, well, you know, I am preaching about joy on Sunday, and I could go out and really do some sermon research, and I could stand in line, and if I happen to get one of these Xbox Ones, great. If not, well, hey. And so here it's 1030 at night, and I find myself wandering out into the streets of Cranberry. (laughs) Normally at this time, in the evening, it is a desolate place of nothingness. 
Uh, you can usually drive from here to the, here in two seconds. But it was like rush hour on a, on a Monday morning. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. It's still Thanksgiving, and all these people are out shopping. They're nuts. I keep saying they're nuts. Meanwhile, I'm out with them. And so I show up at the, at the, the video game store that I'm at, and, and there's only a few people in line. And I go and I get in line, and when you get there, they give you this ticket. And I got my ticket. I got my place in line. And I started to go around talking to all the other people in line. And the guy in the front of the line, I said to him, hey, how long have you been here? He's like, oh, we've been here since like 6, six in the afternoon. I'm like, holy cow, what did you and your wife do for Thanksgiving? And he promptly showed me the Tupperware that they brought their Thanksgiving in. As they had camped out, um, they wanted to get a PlayStation 4. And, and I went down through the line, and I just talked to people, and I, you know, I kept asking, you know, why are you here? One woman said, because this is the only way I can afford Christmas for my family. I have seven kids. Hey, more power to you, lady. And then I get to the couple who are the family. There's a, there's a mother, there's a father, there's a daughter and a son, and they're right in front of me, and I'm talking to them. And I said, well, what are you guys here for? Well, we're here to get the PlayStation 4. It's going to be the best thing in the world. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And they then proceeded to tell me how their family, will ha they have this game plan of strategy of what they do is they'll drop grandma and aunt somebody over here. They'll drop someone else off over here. And they literally will hit every store in, in that area from 6 o'clock Thursday to all day Friday. And they have this great strategy of Black Friday shopping. It was amazing to me. It sounded like something that George Patton wrote up for them. It was very strategic. And so as I'm standing there talking to the people, I said, you know, so you and your family, you do this every year. And they say, oh, yeah, we can't wait for this because, you know, joy and happiness got to start somewhere, and it's going to start here. And I went, oh, there's the sermon research I'm looking for. And as we stood there, uh, it came closer to midnight. And what happens is, is they came down along the line, and they asked everybody in the order that you were there, you know, what do you want, what do you want, what do you want? And I watched as all these arms would go up as these people would receive their PlayStation 4s, their Xbox Ones. They were excited. And then it gets right to the family right in front of me. And they say, what do you want? And they say, we're going to get the PlayStation 4. And they say, no, you're not. We're out of them. And I watched as this jubilant, like, like Von Trapp-type family in front of me turned into, like, Von the Devil family. All this joy, all this elated happiness that was in them in that brief moment before they were told that their happiness and joy was now gone went away, and they instantly turned on one another like some type of fish that eats their babies. The, the, the youngest looked at the dad and said, I told you we should have went to Best Buy. And, and the other, the daughter started ridiculing the mom, and the dad started fighting with the mom, and, and they stormed off, and they said, well, you know, I don't even know what they were saying. It was, it was absolutely funny to watch at the time, but my heart kind of broke for them. Because the reality of it was, is like so many of us, they were putting their hopes in things that don't last. They were putting their, their happiness in material things. I did get the Xbox Ones, by the way. <clears throat> That's ridiculous. I'm, I'm, in I'm, I'm sorry, Jesus. Anyway, so the point of the reason I'm telling you that story is because it's just so ironic. We have this holiday called Thanksgiving that we have twisted into something that is not Thanksgiving at all. And, and I want to encourage us as we go into the Christmas season, listen to me, people. This is not about stuff. It's not about how much crud we can acquire and throw away in the following year. Christmas is about slowing down and remembering the Christ, the Savior. It's about remembering Jesus. And, and again, I'm not trying to condemn anybody for Black Friday shopping or anything like that, but my question is this. Where is your joy found? 
Because joy and happiness are two very different things. Let me start by saying this, that joy is a state of being, where happiness is kind of a reaction to feeling. Hey, I'm really happy my son cut the grass, but that grass is going to grow back, (laughs) and then I'm not going to be happy. But joy is this thing, it's this state of being, where even in my darkest despair, I know it's going to be all right. Even in my, my, my messed up moments of life, I can have joy, even at the loss of a loved one. Who knows the Lord? I can have joy in my heart. It's very different than happiness. In fact, happiness is only born from joy. And I think a lot of times in our lives, we we chase a lot of things. We chase a lot of good things because we think they'll bring us joy. We, We volunteer for every organization in the world that we can volunteer. We try to feed everybody in the world that we can feed. We, we try to just get involved in our communities and in our neighborhoods. And I'm going to tell you right now, unless you find the root of joy, all the things that you're involved in will leave you hollow and they will leave you empty. And you will be happy for a brief period of time. But I promise you this, that empty feeling will come back. Because there's only one thing that can birth joy, true joy, in all of us. This is our first week in our study in the book of Luke. We're we're in Advent. Advent comes from a a Latin word, adventus, which means the the coming, the arrival. And and it's talking about the arrival of Jesus. And and so the reason why we celebrate Advent is because we want to take these five weeks and we want to slow down. We want to kind of really focus in on, on what's important, and that's Jesus. So we've decided for this series that we're going to focus on five gifts of Christmas. We're going to focus on joy, peace, hope, faith, and grace. These are true gifts of Christmas. And they're all found in one place that we're going to get to. So over these next five weeks, I know that there's a lot to do. There's a lot of family stuff to get to. There's everybody and their brothers having a Christmas party. But I want to challenge you. Slow down. It's against our DNA to have still moments. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to get the most out of your Christmas this year, slow down and think about Christ. In our scripture today, we find ourselves kind of at the, at the beginning or the whole, the whole story of Jesus being born. You've got Joseph and Mary who are, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get married. They're, they're engaged. And, and so what happens is, is Mary comes to Joseph and says, guess what, honey? I know we've never been together, but I got a baby in me. And Joseph has this aha moment where he has to really rely on the Lord because an angel shows up and says, Joseph, it's all good. It's God's baby. He's anointed. His name's going to be Jesus. It's going to be great. And so there's this gigantic soap opera saga taking place right before our eyes. I want you to think about this. For Mary and Joseph and Jesus and the innkeeper and all the people in Israel at this time, this isn't Thanksgiving. This isn't like the day where there's 24 hours of a Christmas special. There's not this buildup. This is like I'm going to work on a Thursday in March for them. This is just a normal day. They're living their life when all of a sudden, all of these miraculous things begin to take place. Now, Joseph and Mary are kind of on the inside of this. Nobody else really knows what's going on. 
I'm sure there's rumors going around the neighborhood about that Mary girl because she's pregnant and we know she's not married. Mm -hmm. But there's a greater story taking place. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. And if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screens too. Or it's in your bulletin. I'm going to start in verse 1 and then we'll move on to our reading for today. But it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree uh, that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census took that, uh, that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the, uh, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Then it goes on to verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Let me stop there. What I love about Jesus is Jesus did not look at social status. Jesus didn't say, well, you've got a summer home here, so I'm going to hang out with you. Or you've got 50 bajillion dollars, so I'm going to hang out with you. Jesus looks at everybody the same. And I think it's absolutely amazing because when we read the story of the shepherds in the field, I think for a lot of us, we have this romanticized version of what the shepherds are. We think of David, the shepherd, the good shepherd going out, and he killed himself a bar and wrestled a lion, and, and, we, and we think about that, and we, we have this fantastic, glamorous idea of the shepherd with the long, flowing hair, breezing in the wind with a shepherd crook, and it's this awesome thing. But the reality of it was, is shepherds were looked at as the trash of society. They weren't welcome in holy places. They were the lowest of the low. Did you know that? And it's so neat because these are the people that God decides to use as a confirmation of Jesus, a Davidic confirmation of Christ. Because these shepherds, and, and let me tell you this too, shepherds normally weren't even allowed near the towns. These shepherds must have been shepherds that were tending to the flock that was meant for the temple because they were allowed close to town. And so they were known as untrustworthy, heathenistic, just nightmares of human beings. But shepherds are who God reveals himself to regarding Christ first. And there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, if you're known in the neighborhood as the bad kid, and angels show up, what do you think your reaction is going to be? Oh, hi, angel. Thank you for being here. No, you're going to be terrified, right? Because it's going to be like when your mom or dad caught you doing something you shouldn't have been doing. You know you're in trouble. But that's, not their, that's their reaction. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, because I bring you good news of great joy. Now, I love in the, in the original language, that word great is actually mega joy. I bring you mega joy in the form of good news today. And as I said earlier, joy is, is something that is, is this unique concept. It's not, a, it's not just simply a feeling that we get, but it's a state of being. 
And, you know, the, the way that I kind of thought about joy, and, and I, don't, I hope this translates well, is I think about children. Think about when you were a kid. Now, for some of you, this analogy will break down horribly because you didn't have a good family, and I'll just say it like it is. But for the majority, you can understand and relate to what I'm saying. When you think about when you were a kid, you didn't necessarily worry about where your next meal was coming from, did you? When you were a kid, you didn't worry about the clothes on your back. You didn't worry about whether or not your stock points went up or down. You didn't worry whether the electric bill would get to get paid, did you? Why didn't you worry about those things? You didn't worry about those things because you knew your mother or father would take care of it. And that regardless of what circumstances came, you knew that everything was going to be okay. And, and in that, you can just have a good time, you can relax, you, can, you were able to focus on the things you wanted to focus on, whether it was a boy, a girl, Minecraft, whatever it is you do. You were able to focus on those things because the mother, because the father were worried about those things. When I think of joy, I think of that, that innocent feeling of no matter how bad it gets, I know my daddy's going to take care of it. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's joy. That you, you know, you see mom and dad are having a disagreement about something, and you know something's not right in the universe or something's not right in the world, but you know it's going to be okay because my dad always takes care of it. That, to me, is an example of, of what joy is, where happiness is just feeling good about stuff. Happiness is like, hey, I got this thing I wanted, and, and it's going to be fantastic, and that happiness goes away. You guys are tracking with me the difference between happiness and joy, right? And I want to challenge us as believers right now. A lot of us look at our children and we go, we know our children trust us. We know our children have faith in us. But the reality of it is, is our children have more trust in us than we have in God. Because when we worry and when we doubt God, we're stealing joy, the opportunity for joy in our life. Do you realize that? When we question God and we say, God, you sure you know what you're doing? And, and trust me, we have those moments. We're stealing joy from God. We're stealing joy from ourselves. Because the reality of it is, is our Father has us. He's protecting us. He's taking care of us. He's making sure that we're provided for. And all too often, we forget that. And all too often, we start trying to do things on our own and, and instead of having this God joy in our heart, we begin to try to fill that void with stuff, right? Let me, let me keep reading here. It says this. It says, uh, he says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of mega joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And eventually the shepherds would go and they would see the Christ child. And, and who told the shepherds about this? Well, it must have been God. Because they showed up to see the Christ. And they were a form of a confirmation of, that Jesus was who he said he was. But the question I have for you is this. This Christmas season, are you going to pursue the things that will bring you happiness? Or are you going to pursue the one thing that can bring you true joy? Because as the angel said to the shepherds, the, 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 the reason for joy, the mega joy, is here, and it is Jesus. 
And the hope that we have in Jesus is Jesus was the Son of God. He, he's, the, he's the Son of God who left his, his right-hand place with God. He, he came to earth because there had to be a sacrifice for all the messed up things that we get involved in. There had to be a sacrifice for that. In fact, the shepherds were watching their flock because those sheep would be sacrificed at the temple for sins, for the things that were done wrong. But here is this baby Jesus come to earth as a gift from God to bring us true joy because that baby Jesus on Christmas is the same Jesus that will spread his arms out on the cross and who will pour out his blood for you at Easter. I think a lot of times we compartmentalize the Jesuses in our lives. The reality is he's the same guy. And if you want to know joy this Christmas season, I promise you all the stuff in the world that you do, you buy, you go out and take care of, none of that will fill that void. The only thing that can fill that void is the pursuit of Christ. Slowing down, remembering who Jesus is because he didn't just die on a cross, he got up on the third day and he's still alive. He's still waiting for you. So my prayer is for you this Christmas season, that you can find true joy in knowing that you're one of the Father's children. That you can find true joy in knowing that regardless of how many things you get or whether your rent is even going to be paid, that it's going to be all right because God has a plan for you. Christ has a plan for you. And so as you go throughout this season, may God bless you with his joy. There's a scripture in Nehemiah 8.10. It says this, The joy of the Lord will be your strength. And so when you're having dark moments in your life, when you feel like you can no longer be happy, when you feel like everything is going wrong, cry out for God. And I promise you, He will help you have joy in sorrow-filled moments. When everything is going right, when everything seems to be going your way, You're winning at everything. You're doing everything, and it just seems like everything's clicking together. Reach out for God. Because those are going to be happy things. If you want to truly experience happiness beyond happiness, insert God into that. Pursue God in that. And those things that are awesome in your life are going to become that much more awesome. I hope this is making sense. So the first gift of Advent this year is joy. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And we praise you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us on the cross. We thank you for that mega joy that you gave us, the opportunity to know a Savior. And as children of God, Lord, it's so comforting to know that regardless of what our circumstances are, no matter what we're going through, that when when we confess you as our Lord and Savior and we pursue you, God, you will be there for us. You will stand before for us. You will go before us. You will come in behind us, and you will go with us. And God, we pray that during this season, as a lot of us are going to feel emptiness from the loss of a loved one or from the lack of things in our lives, or I don't know, God. We pray that you will fill all of those voids with your presence to know that you loved us enough to step down from heaven to come to this place to demonstrate ultimate love for us. 
All of these gifts, Lord Jesus, they're really about love. And so we thank you for how you loved us, Lord Jesus. Help us to slow down. And help us to experience you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.